everybody. It's uh, Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Bobby Burton. I've got uh, Jerry Hamilton here alongside me. It's coffee and football. Uh, we're talking Longhorn football, drinking a little uh, coffee in the morning, getting going. Uh, Jerry, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, several things. You're, uh, first of all, I just want to tell people, Jerry is on his way to Lafayette, Louisiana in about an hour. So right after we finish this, he's heading off. Uh, so he's got to get go over to send see that send that beef jerky super chat money. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hit Bucky's on the way. I know you are. That's, oh, for sure. <laughs> that's your that's your role. I've been there before and been on the road with you. Um, but hey, you're going to go to Lafayette, see Dominic McKinley, Melvin Hills over there, the two defensive linemen Texas is recruiting. Hills, of course, committed. McKinley announcing his, his decision on September 1. Uh, Jerry, you ready to have a little talk uh, Longhorn football today? Oh, my gosh, yes, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all the comments where people are from. We have new cities, new states every day. This is awesome, man. Garland, Elgin. Somebody said from Burtdale, Australia. Are you kidding me? And then somebody said from Tropical Storm Hillary. So <laughs> checking in. That's good that you're checking in. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they have uh, Wi-Fi. Like right now. Right now. Yep. Hey, uh, and Elgin Sausage is still remains one of my favorites ever. Hey, uh, Sark went to the mic yesterday, Jerry, yeah. uh, and talked a lot. I, I thought it was one of the better, most revealing press conferences he's had in quite a while. Uh, he talked a, a lot about the defensive line in particular. Uh, Matt Hutchison, our producer, uh, has a, a clip of that I want to go to. Uh, Matt, are you ready with that, bud? He says yes. So let's let's hear Steve Sarkeesian at the mic yesterday morning. Yesterday. As far as the scrimmage directly goes, you know, I thought defensively um, they, they had a good they had a good scrimmage, and I think it started a with their energy. I thought they brought really good positive energy for one another, and it, and it showed. You know, a lot of defense is about effort. It's about attitude, and then you, you got to play right. And I thought that they brought that. I thought a run defense was was very stout. I thought they did a, the defense did a nice job in the red zone of getting stops in the red area at times, although maybe the ball moved down the field, they found a way to get stops and to force field goals, which was really real positive. And I think a lot of that, the run game and red zone stops started up front. I thought the, the line of scrimmage, our, our front seven is playing a, a really good brand of football right now. Um, I was proud of them for that. And, and some of the guys that stood out up front, because it, I don't get to talk about everybody all the time, but that Tavondre Sweat, probably had his best day Saturday. And when he plays like that, we're a lot better uh, because he's very difficult to block. I thought Leonga LaFowle has really made a lot of strides from spring ball through the first 10 days or so of training camp and, you know, had a really good scrimmage Saturday. I thought Ethan Burke had a really nice scrimmage, um, you know, kind of, you know, both edges kind of getting solidified now. And I feel really good about those first three guys with Sorrell, uh, Justice and Burke and, and what those guys can do. I thought Gavin Holmes had a really good week, and the week turned out to he had a really good scrimmage. And so that, that was a positive. Uh, and then the two guys that have been mainstays up front that have been, you know, kind of solidifying their spots and what they're doing, obviously Alfred Collins and Byron Murphy again, you know. And so that, that, that front is, is tough. Um, they're big, they're physical, they're athletic. Uh, they're playing really well together. And I think a lot of that stems from Jalen. Uh, just his communication up there at the at the line of scrimmage and getting everybody tied together. So that was good. Hey, that's great news for Texas fans to hear the name Ethan Burke, right? I mean, how we've been talking about edge, edge, edge since, I don't know, spring practice since the end of the last season uh, so that 
he singled out Ethan Burke as uh, really good news to, uh, for Texas fans, Bobby. Hey, Leonga LaFowle, too. Yeah. And we know that he is actually uh, he's actually done something in creating turnovers. We've mentioned Malik and Manny Muhammad as one of the freshmen that's been responsible for some of those. LaFowle coming in now. Now, he's obviously behind Jalen Ford, and he's behind Jet Bush, too. Okay? But the idea, I think, is they may have somebody there they think they can – rotate in, create depth overall long-term. I thought that was good. Tavondre Sweat, we hadn't heard much of uh, this uh, this uh, this preseason, uh, Jerry, but, uh, you know, he's, he's coming on at the right time, right? You'd rather have him, have him have a great end of fall camp than a great beginning and then kind of peter out. Right. Hey, we talk about, yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to bring up a point. We were talking to Nathan O'Neill. Uh, yesterday, last night, one of the top D line trainers in the country's feet, hips, and hands on Twitter and Instagram. He had Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. He has four or five NFL first rounders every year. He tra- trained Keandre Coburn and got him ready for the draft last year. He's worked with Charles Amina, who off and on at times. Uh, all these guys, the Bosa's, uh, Clowney, all of them. What he said was interesting, Bobby. For young guys learning pass rush, we always think about the hand placement, right? You obviously in the eyes up. That's a big thing. He talked about choppy feet early on versus getting more vertical as these guys really learn to be pass rushers and disruptive defensive linemen. And uh, he's worked with Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins. He said both those guys have improved there, getting more vertical up the field quicker versus choppy feet. So that's something for Texas fans to look out for. If you see a major difference in those two, I think that's going to have a lot to do with it. Well, it, Jerry was nice enough to to, to kind of uh, bring me in on the phone call last night with uh, Nathan O'Neill. The other thing he said about Byron Murphy, Jerry, that I thought was interesting, uh, he, and he works with these guys in the offseason. He says the things that, that that he's noticed with Byron Murphy this whole offseason is the increased use of his eyes. Yes. He is starting to see things earlier and being able to use the athleticism even more so rather than just being rather than football happening to him, he's making football happen. That's right. Right. And uh, when you hear that about a guy that is particularly athletic, that is very good news. So I thought that was an interesting side point uh, for everybody as well. We're gonna- the other thing, Bobby, is even though he doesn't work with Ethan Burke, he's seen tape of Ethan Burke. He's a big Ethan Burke fan because of the toughness, the length, just how hard he plays. The same things that Sark said. He's still got a ways to go, right, in the developmental process. But guys like Nathan O'Neill, who trained these guys for the NFL draft, they're already starting to take notice, Ethan Burke. Yeah, and I want to I want to mention this. We're going to come back to some more of what Sark said in, a, in, a, in about 15 or so minutes on Ethan Burke. Uh, I think he may have coined a new nickname for a young man <laughs> out of Westlake that not many people out of Westlake you would think would get, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but it's pretty good one. Hey, other news, uh, Jordan Ross, the defensive end out of uh, Vestavia Hills in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, committed to Tennessee last night. People were wondering, why aren't y'all talking about Jordan Ross? Because Texas was merely a hat on the table at the end of it. We didn't want to over, you know, we didn't want to over pretend here, guys. We're, that's not what Jerry and, and Justin and Eric and I and all the guys at Inside Texas do. We try to give you the real scoop. We're not going to play something up if we don't think it's, a realistic possibility for the Longhorns. Uh, also, Jerry, one basketball note uh, that we need to get to early this morning. I'll let you take that from, from here. 
Yeah, Inside Texas uh, broke the news that Trey Johnson, the top target on the board for Texas in the 2024 class, has been ranked either number one, two, three, or four in the country in the 2024 class, the 6'5 shooting guard out of Richardson Lake Highlands, not link prep. He'll be making his official visit to Texas Sunday through Tuesday. So big news for Rodney Terry and staff there. I'm hearing it's Texas Baylor. Uh, now, the, there's also pro possibilities there. He has an official visit scheduled to Alabama later in September. Uh, he's been to Kentucky, Texas, and Baylor and Kansas officially before. The one thing to know in basketball is these kids – from junior year, they can take five official visits. Then senior year, they can take five official visits. You can officially visit the same school twice. Texas will be the first school he's officially visited twice. Does that mean Texas is going to win out for Trey Johnson here? A great player. No, it does not. But I can tell you that Rodney Terry coaching Trey Johnson's father, Richard Johnson, at Baylor when Rodney began his college coaching career, that longstanding relationship certainly doesn't help Texas. The other thing that helps Texas with Trey Johnson is the style of play last year, the big change Texas had in style of play and how that carried over under Rodney Terry and staff. And now with Frank Haith, those guys are still going to play really fast. They want to play fast basketball. They want to get up and down. Uh, they want to be take good shots, obviously, but they want to play with tempo. So Trey Johnson likes what he's hearing and seeing from Texas, and he'll be making his official visit, his second official visit to Texas, Sunday through Thursday. G League, you said marginal possibility or? Look, he's a top five ranked guy in the country, so he's going to have an offer to play pro basketball. We'll see what he does. I mean, he could be one of those guys that does play here in college. He's got his own lift NIL representation already. He's a kid that's going to make a lot of NIL money that could probably equal what he would make from a G League contract. So he's not a lock to go to uh to the pros it's a certainly a possibility but he's got a lot of i mean he's 87th overall in the on three nil valuation at almost 600 grand oh wow <laughs> oh to be young again jerry and, and a basketball and player, all those instagram followers when they're young man those guys crush it in the nil <laughs> all right hey uh, jerry before we get to more from uh, steve sarkeesian uh, as well as uh, questions and comments if you guys want to hear about something or talk about something please leave a question or a comment uh, Jerry and I will try to get to it throughout the show. Uh, before we go there, though, I want to say thanks to our newest sponsor, uh, and that is Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in the good old USA. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel uh, with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of 150 plus colleges to choose from, including, uh, of course, the University of Texas. Homefield designs are unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about authenticity and nostalgia. I personally like the Roaring Bevo. When I went to school, that was kind of the alternative logo that I liked. Uh, so I got that one in gray, one for me and one for my son. I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical UT gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available as well as UT. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code ONTEXAS23. That's ONTEXAS23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship of ONTEXAS football. Jerry, uh, you, me, Matt, 
uh, Matt has helped us out with some stuff on the background uh, here and what we've got going on. Uh, your thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian's presser overall, not just about Ethan Burke and, and the defensive line, some of the other takeaways that you had. Yeah, first off, Peter Young, Rochester, New York. A first Rochester, New York on this comment, so I wanted to give him a shout-out, man. we got people from everywhere in the world and country here. Um, I thought Sark, again, is a confident football coach. Uh, I think he likes what he's seeing from the defense. I think he's, you know, again, he mentions Manny Muhammad causing turnovers. Gavin Holmes. I mean, look, he's mentioning a corner standing out every press conference. Texas, a different one. Different one. Texas has four corners that are going to end up with NFL grades i mean so and leon lafau malik muhammad creating turnovers i mean a theme here uh for, for texas in fall camp uh but I, yeah i think it's a confident coach um i it, it's interesting that he said yesterday you know sometimes it's hard to tell between the ones and the twos that means you've got depth that means it's a coach that's happy with his depth that's built the talent in this program to where he feels like he's ready to go compete uh, that's the one thing I hear from him is that confidence. And it's look, it's a guy who's clearly happy with the way his team is going about their business in fall camp. But the biggest thing is, look, what did he start with, Bobby? The thing we we kind of cross our fingers for all Texas finger, uh, Texas fans cross their fingers. No major injuries thus far through fall camp. And Saturday more, will be more of a mock game, not a scrimmage. It'll be more of a mock game. So I don't think that's going to be your regular scrimmage. Uh, so I think Texas has done a really good job. Uh, got a little luck on their side getting through fall camp without major injury. I've got three other things I want to bring yep. up that, that from the presser. Much less anxiousness and anxiety around the quarterback position this year. True. He thinks that that kind of certainty has permeated the roster. Um, and so having that position settled helps everybody else kind of settle into their positions on a team I thought that was interesting the second thing that that I really liked uh, and I think Texas fans will like as well we're tackling well yes good point uh good point. how many times have we seen that be a problem early in seasons uh for the University of Texas uh Sark attributed that uh, uh Im improvement to actually going harder earlier in the fall camp uh yeah. and so that's that was pretty one a good one uh, and then uh, one of the last ones for me, Jerry, we talked about all these freshmen. He was asked which freshmen might force their way onto the field. Look, we would have thought Manny Muhammad, Anthony Hill, uh, Leonga Lafau, he's even been there talking about Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook, a lot of guys, right? You know who he said? Jelani McDonald. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. We mentioned Ryan Niblett again as well. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, so, but he, he singled out Jelani McDonald because he yep. was a, he was not a midterm guy. Yep. I think we're going to see Jelani McDonald on special teams for sure. That's, that's what that tells me, right? No doubt. No doubt about it. And that's, look, you think the 23 class is hitting. I wrote something on uh, Inside Texas about that. This class is biting early, right? I mean, that's what we always say. If they'll bite as a pup, they'll bite as a dog. And this this class is biting early now. 14 early enrollees, and the guys that weren't early enrollees are getting singled out now by Sark. They are very happy with this recruiting class, as they were with 2022. So they feel like they've done a very good job evaluating back-to-back -back recruiting classes here. Somebody in the chat asked about injury, Jade Barron. Uh, we know he's dealing with some knee soreness. Um, we've talked about that at length. 
Um, we, he had that checked out early in fall camp. We have not heard anything about him being out for an extended period of time. Bobby. Yes, uh, we, he had lingering knee issues. Uh, now, it, did something happen yesterday? And I don't know. Uh, that's always possible, guys. But as of right now, I was told that he had had a lingering knee is issue, that he went and got checked out, and it was not uh, structural. So it was more of a knee bruise, knee strain, something like that. Now, if, if somebody else is reporting something else, uh, we'll have to go and check on it. I don't think that uh, there's anything to that right now, though. Um, hey, before we get going to y'all's questions and, and topics and really do it, I want to play this piece, uh, Matt. Do you have it queued up, the Ethan Burke stuff from uh, from Steve Sarkeesian? Because I tell you what, uh, when I hear things like this uh, and from a college coach that has been around and he's talking about a true sophomore, um, it, it's going to make you guys excited I think, Matt, are we ready for that or, or no? He says, yes, let's go. This let's is Steve Sarkeesian on uh, Ethan Burke. Blue collar, man. He, he's a blue collar guy. I think, A, he has, he has great length. You know, he's, he's got length. Uh, but at the end of the day, the guy's a mechanic, man. He goes to work. He rolls his sleeves up. He doesn't mind getting grimy. Um, you know, he's, he's always going to try to find an edge somewhere. Um, and he and he's got good wits about him. You know, he knows how to play the game. And so, obviously, coming from a great program at Westlake, I think he was taught you know really well coming out of high school. You see it with Vosick as well. Uh, but Ethan, just being a year advanced in the system, I think he knows how to really just play the game. But he definitely has a, a toughness, a griminess about him that that we appreciate. Man, there was a lot there. I I, I can't remember all the words, but mechanic Bobby, as you said. Hey, look, the last guy I've heard called a mechanic was Miguel Angel Jimenez, the golfer on the Champions Tour. He's won a lot of tournaments, okay? So that's pretty that's pretty good company as to be called the mechanic. I like the term grimy. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about a defensive end that's grimy, that's like he brings his lunch pail. You know, that's that's kind of the thought process. Well, hey, let's talk me. about and let's talk about this though. Why are we not surprised by Ethan Burke being this type of player. He was an All-American lacrosse player that was committed to Maryland who's won two national titles in the last eight, nine years. His father was a professional lacrosse player and runs the lacrosse program at Westlake. That's a physical sport, okay? This is, even though he might have been later to football in his development, he is a son of a coach who is a professional lacrosse player in a sport that, yes, you have to be athletic, but there's a lot of technique to it as well. So he's a technique guy. It's not surprising that Sark has now coined him the mechanic. I love it. I, I love stuff like that. That's part, that's part of what makes football fun to me. Hey, I'm getting a couple questions here about the pronunciation of Leonga LaFowle's first name. Yeah, It looks like to, to everybody it's Leona without a G. In the Hawaiian culture, they any kind of O-N adds a G to it. So even though you don't say that's why, and you'll hear Steve Sarkeesian use the same uh, pronunciation as well. Uh, so that's that's what we've uh, been told and, and, and uh, used. Now, if that comes back and changes <laughs> next, next year or something, so be it. But uh, the official university pronunciation is Leonga LaFowle. So I hope y'all, uh, everybody understands. Hey, Bobby, that. we had a question about when will depth chart be released? I, I, it'll be released game week, but Sark said in that press conference that 
this depth chart will be solidified by Saturday through the mock game walkthrough. All right. All right. We're going to take people's questions uh, here, here on out, talk a little bit more about what we've heard from behind the scenes from that scrimmage, uh, as well as recruiting. Jerry's on his way after we finish this out today uh, to head over to Lafayette. He's going to see both Melvin Hills, the commitment from uh, the uh, from Lafayette, the defensive lineman, as well as Dominic McKinley, the five-star uh, defensive lineman out of Acadiana High School uh, down in the bayou or near the bayou, I guess. Hey, I want to start with this one, Jerry, because this is a good stuff. This is kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Jerry, can you talk about how Xavier Worthy ended up at Texas? He was committed with, committed to and signed yes. with Michigan, and that ended up following falling through some and somehow ended up at Texas. Did he have a relationship with Sark prior? Well, he did because Alabama was one of the schools that he was uh, heavily considered, um, obviously. And Sarkeesian had a connection around that high school as well, I believe. Uh, but really, I mean, Bobby, he just – Worthy didn't get into in, – he did not get admitted as a midterm enrollee, right? So that's what kind of started that snowball uh, rolling downhill for Texas – uh, with Xavier Worthies, he didn't get into Michigan when he anticipated or wanted to. Um, and I think that made him and his uh, family kind of uh, uh, want to go a different direction without saying too much. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Sark was recruiting him all the way through and wanted That's him right. in Bama. That's and, right. And so when he when the opportunity came that Michigan was going to let him out of his LOI, letter of intent, uh, it all went from there. All right, uh, this is a super chat from Jimmy Trevino. Jimmy, we appreciate you. Texas Pecan Coffee this morning. Any info on where to find an authentic jersey with patches on it? Are we working more press man or off man with our with our cornerbacks? Uh, first part, authentic jerseys with patches on it. You know, that's a great question. Uh, I actually don't know that. Jerry, you have any clue on that? Well, I think I think the co-op is is doing personalized jerseys but i'm not sure if it has the big 12 patch on it obviously after this season i expect the sec patch to be on everything <laughs> yeah absolutely are we working more press man or off man with our cornerbacks Great question well here's here's the it's a relative yes answer it's not that they're working more uh it's not that they're working most with one or the other but they are doing more press man on the field corner this year, okay? Because Deshaun Jameson played off and liked to play off because he was more reactionary as opposed to a mirror guy, whereas they believe Malik Muhammad, Gavin Holmes, and Terrence Brooks can mirror guys. Yeah. And, and I have longer arms. Longer arms. And I think there's an important part to this. Texas wants to play more press man. But able to do to be able to do that effectively, your pass rushers have to stay in their lanes. There has to be lane discipline if Texas is going to play more press man. So that is may not even come down to the talent and the ability of the cornerbacks, but it may come down to that front seven being very disciplined in their lanes in those scenarios. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy, for the super chat. Uh, Texas pecan. I'm actually maple pecan on my today, just so everybody knows. I like a little, uh, I like a little twang to my coffee. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm gonna answer one before you go to the next one. Jason Hernandez, you don't have to pull up. Asked if 
Uh, Anthony Hill could end up full-time defensive end edge. No, he's a linebacker. They want him to develop and be that NFL draft pick he wants to be. He'll be an off-the-ball linebacker that also plays off the edge and rushes the passer off the edge. But they want him to develop and to be the linebacker he wants to be. He's got to be able to play going backwards and forwards. Hey, I want to bring this up because Sark talked about it yesterday a little bit, just in a different way than maybe Derek asks. If you're opposing def defensive coordinator, are you doubling Xavier or AD? I think AD due to his 50-50 threat. I don't agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Xavier, Xavier Worthy can take the top off of any defense. A, a, a safety that is standing still has no chance. Um, unless they're backing at the start of the play. Right, Jerry? Yeah. So they have to – I think you almost – if Xavier Worthy and Quinn and, – and, and the reason I want to bring this up, Sark talked about it yesterday in the presser. Xavier and, and Quinn hit multiple long passes yet, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. According to, to Sark. If they can do that, that takes that safety out of the run game. Not entirely. No, I mean, it's – you know, it, there's relative, relativity today. That is just a reality, in my opinion. So you have to take that. A 50-50 ball with A.D. Mitchell is going to be a given if Xavier Worthy's on the, on the field. Do you do you agree with that, Jer? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I think the thing about Texas, here's what I where I think Sark, part of why he's excited. And you could tell he was excited when somebody asked a question about having maybe more of his full playbook that was asked yesterday in a different way. Um that they may have multiple guys that defensive coordinators have to be worried about. Uh, you know, you you have to worry about Xavier Worthy, Texas moving him around. You have to worry about A.D. Mitchell making plays on the ball down the field. But here's the reality. And then you could bring Isaiah Nayor in as well. You have multiple guys who open up the field, stretch the field vertically. Um, so, look, I, I, I think the issue – for defensive coordinators against Texas, and it all hinges on the offensive line pass pro. But if Texas holds up in that end of it, I, I think D coordinator is going to have some interesting decisions to make. And I think Sark has finally got uh, uh, his skill talent wide receiver where he feels like he can use his entire playbook and all his tricks. Uh, one thing that Sark did mention, Jerry, that I thought was interesting yesterday, he also said the top three have separated themselves at receiver. Yeah. And so that means who we thought. Jordan Whittington, uh, uh, Xavier Worthy, and A.D. Mitchell. Isaiah Nayor, John Tate Cook, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett, that next group, along with Casey Kane. And he did mention those guys. Yeah, he yeah. mentioned those guys having good camps, the second-team guys, but the first-team guys had separated themselves, as we expected. Hey, I, I, we had a question that I wanted to get to that was on the Inside Texas message board, Jerry, uh, from yesterday that we didn't get to, and it was about Jordan Whittington as a blocker. Um we both heard what Sark said. Oh, yeah. He was asked yesterday about Jordan Whittington as a blocker. What did, you, you remember what he said? He, if there's a better blocker at wide receiver in the Big 12, he hadn't seen it, essentially, is what he said. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty high praise. I yep. mean, uh, and, and that goes, speaks to, again, you know, we talk about how does Texas replace the toughness leader combination leadership of Roshan Johnson? Jordan Whittington's the first guy you think of, even though it's a different position, because he's such a physical player on contact. 
he can bring some of that that Roshan Johnson brought in a different way to this team this year, in my opinion. I'm going to go to this one from Freelance Society. Bobby, you saw David Stone at IMG. What do you think of him? Is he going to OU, Jerry? David Stone was the third best defensive lineman on that field um, uh, behind uh, Jaden Jackson, who's going to OU. I thought he was very active, undersized, but very, very active. I like him yeah, uh, as a sure. as a plugger in college football. I think he's going to be good. Texas, of course, recruited him, but he's going to OU. TJ Lindsay, I thought, was the most talented, he's very of, talented. of that group. David yeah. Stone looks the best, but I mean, the third series of the game, he was taking himself out. He's he 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 is. I'm trying to see if I can give you a. He he is more prospect than player at this time. There is no doubt in my mind. He his his motor runs a little too hot and cold. Now that happens to a lot of these highly ranked defensive tackles, but it didn't happen to Casey Hampton. The, some of those great players, you never question their motor. Um, so I, I think that is going to be the thing for David Stone. And he's been recruited highly at a young age. Um, he has to come be de-recruited when he gets to Oklahoma, which I do think that's where he ends up. But he's got his motor runs a little hot and cold right now. He's sometimes he's the last one out the practice at IMG and the first one off the field. That's going to have to change long term. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, hey, I, I want to say thank you once again to our sponsor of this uh, uh coffee and football episode uh, that is home field apparel it's a premium college apparel uh, brand based in the good old usa uh, they emphasize their commit are uh, they emphasize uh, their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs they feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from including of course the university of texas Homefield designs are unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about in authenticity and nostalgia. I personally like the Roaring Bevo. That's me. Uh, when I went to school, that was kind of the alternative logo that I like. So I got one in gray for myself and one for my son as well. I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical UT gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available as well as University of Texas specific. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code ONTEXAS23, ONTEXAS23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. We appreciate them here at uh, On Texas Football and Coffee and Football as well. All right, uh, let's keep going here with some questions. Somebody asked, do they ship to Australia? I believe they do. I well, we'll see. I, we, we will see. I don't know that for sure. All right, hey. Well, they should. Uh, they should. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, Longest Horn is asking this, Jerry. You've got some insight on this. Could Connor Robertson challenge at left guard? He's the backup center. Yeah. Although we believe Cole Hudson is really a backup center. What's Connor's path to playing time? Yeah, I think it's I think it's center unless they make a move to guard. But I just don't. I, I think center is the position he was recruited to play at Texas, and uh, that's the only place he's played to our knowledge to this point. So it's definitely center right now. Got it. Okay. Uh, from Jesse Allman, super chat. Thanks, thanks, Jesse. Bobby, your thoughts on not playing Anthony Hill until second half of Bama game to throw a wrinkle at them? No, 
I, I you have to play him immediately. Now you can hold a wrinkle though for Bama and use him in a slightly different way on a rush. Um, you might use him all outside rushes against Rice, and then all of a sudden bring him on a loop uh, against Bama or something like that. But you want to get his you want to get his beak wet. Yes, uh, you want him to get used to the uh, speed of the college game, in my opinion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, Jerry, let's go to you on this one. Yeah. Uh, thanks, by the way, Jesse, for that uh, super chat. Mick Biscuit, what kind of pro- production do you guys expect to see from C4? That's Cedric Baxter. Uh, yards for the season and carries per game. Well, my expectations have gone up in the last week and a half. Uh, with what we've heard, that Tuesday night practice last week, a week from uh, a week ago today, he apparently was the most workload he's had in a practice that was a live padded practice. Then he had a really good scrimmage Saturday. Um, the visions carrying over from the high school to college level. And that's always number one for me because the holes pinch. So that backside vision, those cutback lanes, they close so much quicker. They pinch so much quicker. If your vision carries over, that's a good start. And that did happen for Cedric. We talked about this uh, on one of the recent shows. I'm, I'm losing track. But um, one of the things that he's developing is running through contact at this level. And a lot of people just think about dropping your hips and your butt and lowering your pads and creating that power and that snap with your rolling your hips. But it's more eyes up. Your eyes have to be up on contact to see the next guy, to see where that next contact's coming from. And Baxter's, he is developing there quickly to where he's not dropping his eyes on contact. That's two big keys for him. He has the rest of the package. He's 6'1", 220. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned him as a pass pro guy that they trust, which I thought was very interesting. So yards for the season, I'm starting to trend the war 7, 800 yards, carries per game. Uh, 10, uh, 12, 14, maybe. I, I tend to think he's about to have a really good year, Bobby. Got it. All right. I uh, want to say a couple things here, uh, if if I might. Uh, we didn't mention this at the outset uh, and probably should have. Uh, yesterday, Xavier Worthy and Kelvin Banks were named uh, second yeah. team preseason AP All-Americans. Uh, that's, that's noteworthy. I believe uh, I'm looking at a tweet from the University of Texas uh, Jalen Ford was not first or second team preseason All-American by the AP, but it looks like the Sporting News chose him as one of those today. So uh, I thought he may have been left out. He was the Big 12 runner-up defensive player of the year yeah. last year, returning. And he wasn't on the first or second team. A uh, couple guys that were on that AP All-American team that are in the conference, 
Dante Corleone, a defensive lineman out of Cincinnati, was on the first team. And Cooper Beebe, the offensive guard, I believe, out of uh, Kansas State, they were both first team. Those were the only two two other uh, Big 12 players, I believe, that were in that group of guys. Um, let's, uh, let's look at this one. I think this is a good question, Jerry. I'm speaking with Jerry Hamilton of on Texas or of inside Texas.com. Uh, uh, it's Kuno asks in the modern day college football landscape, how important is it that guys like Neto, Cole Hudson, Cam Williams are part of the rotation? I think this is an excellent question as well. I think it's a great question. Uh, it's vital. Um, look, with the transfer portal, one, you have to play these guys. Two, if you've recruited well, you should have an eight-man rotation in games. If you've recruited to the level you think you have, you should have an eight-man rotation. You should play three tackles, um, and, and you should play uh, three guards uh, or four guards in a center. Uh, may, you know, you're, I don't think you're going to move centers, ch- uh, switch and flip flop centers. But you should be able to play an eight-man rotation. And I think Texas, that was one of the first things that, you know, we kind of reported on Inside Texas in late June that Texas was planning on playing a rotation on the offensive line. So what that meant to me is the young pups are growing up. They have saw they saw enough in spring practice. They were seeing enough with Torrey Becton um, that they knew that this, this group, we heard early on when this 22, 2022 class offensive lineman came in, before they ever played a game, we were hearing there could be four or five draft picks based on all these guys' experience in that group. Well, it's time for those guys to start hitting the field. But to really answer your question, you have to, else guys leave. If you've recruited enough talented players, you have to have that rotation or they're not going to stay. All right, let's talk to Colton here a little bit. I expect the defense to be the Texas to be Texas's strength. Man, that this is on this is I agree. I, I just want to say that because I believe based on what we're hearing out of scrimmages, based on the personnel, I, I tend to agree with you, Colton, especially to start the season. But do you expect the offense to take over that title by midseason, like OU? What Jerry, this is this is interesting because we've talked about that. Yeah. Sometimes it takes the offense a little while to get that execution level at a high rate. What, what do you think? Yeah, and it's always tough to tell in the fall camp, right? Because is a, there a position that's struggling in pass pro on the offensive line if the D line's having a good day, right? That's kind of kind of what you always wonder about until the games are played. <clears throat> For Texas this season, it would be a great thing if the defense was the strength because you're going to Bama week two. <clears throat> by Big 12 play, they need the offense to be out first out of the mouth, uh, in my opinion, because this is a league with really good quarterbacks. And even though Texas, I think, will be a better defensive unit than they were last year due to just experience and more playmakers if they're all healthy. Uh, this You still have to score points in this league. You got to score a lot of points in this league. So, And Sark, look, one of the things that Sark was hired to do was bring an exciting brand of football to the University of Texas. And we live in an offensive world in sports nowadays. The rules are geared for offense. Um, so that is has to be a staple under Steve Sarkeesian. You have to be good defensively, but I think they need to be very good to great offensively. And the quarterback room uh, is situated perfectly for that, and now he's got the skill guys around it. Got it. All right. Thanks, Colton, for that question because I love it. Um, love it. Uh, guys, we have time uh, to get more questions in. We've we got about 30 more minutes to go here uh, before Jerry has to head off to Lafayette. 
Go see Melvin Hills and Dominic McKinley. Uh, Jerry, here's a recruiting question for you uh, from Austin. Who is higher on Texas's priority list, Brandon Baker or Ryan Wingo? Two different positions, offensive tackle and wide receiver. I don't know. Both five stars, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do it like this. There's one A, one B, one C, one D. They're all five-star players. So it's Brandon Baker, Ryan Wingo, Dominic McKinley, Kobe Black. I can tell you right now, Dominic McKinley's the highest on the priority list because he's announcing his decision September 1st. So he's probably one A. Then it goes, I think, who's the next guy to commit on that list? Maybe Kobe Black, it goes to one B. Then you get into Brandon Baker and Ryan Wingo, right? I'm kind of putting it in order of how these coaches are looking at it right now because all of those guys are ones. Um, but it, it's right now, is, oh, okay. Who's about to make a decision? Well, Dominic McKinley's 10 days away from a decision. Then I think Kobe Black is probably a September commitment. I talked to somebody that covers Oregon yesterday. They didn't, the Oregon side doesn't think Brandon Baker is going to decide until October. So we'll see on that when he's got the September 16th official visit scheduled to Nebraska. Texas is trying to get him back on campus uh, for the Kansas game September 30th. We'll see. Ryan Wingo is scheduled to be in Austin September 16th. Uh, for the Wyoming game, and then he goes he's scheduled to be at Tennessee on the 30th. So will his recruitment go till October? We'll see. I don't know. Hey, this is a follow-up kind of from earlier when we were talking about Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and what they mean to one another, the kind of symbiotic relationship there. Uh, from Davey Fockett, uh, do opposing defensive coordinators look at the missed connections on deep balls last year, though? Make Texas prove yours and X can link up first. Absolutely. Great point. And I would say yes to that. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say yes. Absolutely. You want to make, okay, look, if you're a DC and you're playing Texas, the best case scenario for you would be Xavier Worthy bobbles and drops one, the first one that Quinn throws to him. Because then you have, uh-oh, then you have a little hint of doubt, right? That Now, it's not like you're just going to give it up, right? But that, that might be a best case scenario for these guys. But yeah, you want to make them prove it. But here's the key. Texas offensive line, I think, really holds the cards this year, Bobby. I really do. There's going to be more pressure put on them in 11 personnel. Sark talked about being able to play four or five different personnels yesterday. But if they play a lot more 11 personnel, then your running backs are chip help. There's more pressure on the offensive line. For Texas to have a downfield passing game, those guys are going to have to hold up in pass protection. Got it. Uh, Jerry, I want to ask you a couple more things and mention a couple more things for you before I, I get going here. I'm speaking with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. I'm Bobby Burton. If you're just joining us, uh, this is Coffee and Football. Guys, uh, things I, I, that we're talking about this morning, Jordan Ross, the defensive end out of uh, Vestavia Hills in Birmingham, Alabama, committed to Tennessee as expected. Uh, Trey Johnson, the number four overall basketball player in the country. Jerry uh, broke the news about an hour ago that Johnson is expected for his official visit to Texas this weekend from Sunday through Tuesday. It's expected to be a Texas-Baylor battle for him. He's at a prep school now, but he's originally from Richardson Lake Highlands High School. Right. Keep that up. Uh, and then also Steve Sarkeesian yesterday, we played some clips of him. If you get a chance to go back and watch them, uh, Ethan Burke, Jerry, uh, still the uh, talk a little bit right now. Uh, Sark described him as a mechanic, and then he also described him as grimy, like he's willing to do the dirty work a little bit. 
Well, and that, doesn't that sound like the guy you need against Bam in Kansas State? I mean, look, he may not have the weight, but you got to have guys that are willing to battle. Um, I thought the other thing, interesting thing Sark said was when he went on about the edge position, he said he felt comfortable with the first three. So we've had some Justice Finkley questions. Is he going to be an improved player? He mentioned Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, and Justice Finkley. So Finkley has had a strong fall camp. He's held off some of those young guys pushing him. Uh, so Sark singled out the first three edges as them being very comfortable with uh, playing those guys' extended snaps. Gotcha. Uh, please feel free to get your questions in. We've got uh, some time here as well. And I'm going to go, let's see here. I like this one because Sark talked about it yesterday. Um, and I, wanna, I wanted to mention it. What are your expectations? This is from Jonathan Stoker. Thanks for the question, Jonathan. What are your expectations for David Benda? Sark was, uh, he spent about 30 to 45 seconds in yesterday's presser talking specifically about Benda. And uh, he, he really said that he was, first of all, he's a team first guy. That, that was a, a, a very apparent from what Sark was trying to say. He says his issue right now is trying to get more free flowing as opposed to knowing where he's supposed to be. Benda knows where he's supposed to be. He's trying to do that. Now he needs to start playing football more as opposed to just doing exactly everything right, uh, technical. So he's still looking for more, uh, but I think the expectations uh, for David Benda are, are for him to start the season at Will Linebacker opposite Jalen Ford and then be in the rotation throughout the year. I think for sure he's going to be in there against run-heavy teams. Run-heavy teams are going to be his specialty. Mo Blackwell will probably be against pass-happy teams. Anthony Hill likely on passing downs, kind of rotating in. What are, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations? Yeah, for, so he's uh, he struggled with false steps. I mean, that's really what he struggled with. He is a tremendous athlete. He's a powerful kid, especially in his legs and hip. His whole deal is he struggled with false steps. And for him to stay on the field, especially, I think, against the run, look, he's got to fit. He can't be false stepping all over the place now. So his growth, if you see him be on the field more, that's going to be the reason why, in my opinion. Um, yeah, we had a great question from Rob Enfield on um, Paul Christ. Can he be on the headsets and talk to Sark during the game? I think that's a great question because it's it's a it's interesting that how the these guys at the non on field coaching positions work within a team, Bobby. Yeah, I mean he can't. Is my understanding? That's right. Gary Patterson was not last year. Yeah. They, they can't, but they can be on the sidelines and they can interact with other coaches. That's right. So, so uh, they, can, and also, they can also do that, boys, you know, yeah. as guys walk off the field. So what we saw with Gary Patterson last year, like in the Alabama game, is he'd walk down and look at Alabama from behind in their offensive uh, when they when they lined up. And then he would walk down and say something to somebody, right? So he was relaying what he saw without being on a headset to – talk to the staff. Uh, so that's kind of how these things work. All right. Uh, thanks, Rob, for that question. Uh, going to Emmanuel Villafranco here. How big of an impact does Quinn improving his footwork and his movement within the pocket make? Huge, if he does it. Huge. I mean, look, Bobby Conn calls it climbing the pocket. Couldn't agree more. Um, Playing in the pocket, hanging in the pocket, stepping up, climbing the pocket. 
I think is the whole key for Quinn Ewers this year. I think if he does that consistently, I think he's put in a lot of work. Obviously, we talk about it physically. Um, he's more of a vocal leader. He's he's jumped on those things he had to do. But where Quinn gets into trouble, and, I, and, and, and he, was, he got away with it in high school because his arm was so strong. But then last year was after the injury, kind of backing, throwing off the back foot a little bit. And I'm not sure he was ever really fully healthy last year. But for him to make the big jump this year, he's got to climb the pocket. He's got to hang in the pocket. He's got to scan the field while stepping up and playing within the pocket. If he does that, he's going to have a really good year, in my opinion. All right, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, Jerry, here's one for you. Who are some of the senior risers we should keep an eye on? Um, I'm going to put one name out there that not many people have mentioned, uh, and that is I got a tip actually (laughs) yesterday from someone that I kind of trust, and that's Jordan Martin, a wide receiver out of Dallas Kimball. He's currently committed to Texas State. See if he doesn't uh, have a better senior year and maybe some offers tend to come in later. He was offered by a bunch of North Texas, Texas State. He got a somewhat late offer from Ole Miss, which tells me that star, if he if he has a good season, that Ole Miss could turn into all of a sudden Texas Tech. And then, you know, Baylor. And then from there, what else does it turn into, right? Who are some for you, Jerry? As we, what, week what, zero is this week, by the way, in, in Texas yeah. high school football. Yeah, and I'll have the Texas commit schedules up that either tonight or the first thing in the morning, depending on how much time I have here on the road today. Um, you know, for Texas, I, I, I look at maybe a safety like a Dante Carter out of Civil O Steel. Um, I believe he's committed to Vanderbilt. Um, he's a guy that I know Texas went by and watched. And so I keep my eye on that. If you know, if they make a move for a second safety here in this class, Jacob Ponton, offensive tackle at Dripping Springs, committed to Texas Tech. Texas likes him a lot. They went, uh, Kyle Flood went and saw him in May. They had him at camp June 11th. They haven't offered yet, but he's a guy that is his second year playing offensive tackle. And he has a very high upside, good early evaluation by Texas Tech. Uh, you know, look, senior riser, no. Weston Davis ranked 101 in the on three industry ranking. Nationally, offensive tackle out of Beaumont United committed AM. I think Texas may make a run at him uh, his senior year. Uh, so there's going to be two or three others pop up. Uh, but right now, look, that's the one thing to know, Texas fans, and we have, I think, 900 on here. Um, the evaluations really start this week. This is we, the start of high school football in Texas. That's the 2025 class. That's the 2024 class. Let's go over real quick before we move on. How did Warren Roberson in Texas happen last year? This is how important these games are. Texas knew Warren Roberson was a good player. They had evaluated him. Texas um, went to watch, I believe it was Blake Gideon and maybe Choke, went to watch Arlington Seguin in, in Red Oak early in the season last year. Jamel Johnson was committed to Texas. Warren Roberson was playing safety and wide receiver from Red Oak. Texas left that game and decided Warren Roberson was a the guy they needed in the program. And that recruitment took a while to play out. He was a TCU commitment, then didn't sign early. Uh, but that's how this process really works. Yes, the tape evaluation is important, but when they coaches get on the road here starting in September and they go see these kids, that's when a lot of these senior risers start to pop up because they haven't seen these kids physically. So even though you might see a tape or a high school coach reaches out to you, going to see these kids in person changes the game. 
All right. Uh, speaking with Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. A uh, couple of news and notes. Uh, it looks like Jalen Ford made the Sporting News All-American team. And he uh, should. Congratulations to him. He should have made the AP at least second team alongside Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy. That was announced yesterday. Uh, and then also, Jerry, I, look, I spoke to Rod uh, Babers yesterday uh, about the talent on the Texas team. Uh, if you haven't uh, watched that, I, I think you probably should because he goes into a little bit more in-depth on how he sees not just the NFL players or ability of them, but where he would kind of rank them rounds one and two, rounds three through seven, and then undrafted free agents. Rod made a point this. Jerry, do you realize like something like 41% of the NFL is made up of undrafted free agents? I did not know the number was that high. That's wild. Unbelievable. I mean, so just keep that in mind, guys. Uh, By the way, uh, the uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have three of them. Yeah. uh, Just from Texas. Brennan Schooler, Adrian Phillips, and Calvin Anderson. There you go. (laughs) Think about that. Three former By the way, Cody Wilson brought up Tyson Turner, Texas Tech commit, and Brian. Kids a stud, solid frame, 62190, state high jumper. Great call, Cody Wilson. Really good prospect. Could be a senior riser. All right. Uh, hey, this one's from Nathan. Uh, speaking about defensive backs, do defensive backs start to get more interceptions when they are comfortable and have continuity in the system they are running, or is it studying from the opponent's film? I've got the answer there. I, I know the answer to this, Jerry. Both. Okay. I think it right. I mean, I was going to put a C in there. Pass rush. <laughs> oh well, that's that's absolutely. Yeah i I got the wrong. I got the answer wrong. Jerry got it right. <laughs> I know, but Bobby's right. It's it's look. If you don't, if you aren't a great film study guy at the Power Five level, maybe you can be great player, Deion Sanders. I'm not saying he didn't study film in college. I really don't know. But Deion could have rolled out there on Saturday and dominated, right? Patrick Peterson probably could have. For everybody else, you better really live in the film room. And let's never forget, Will Muschamp once told me that Earl Thomas was the first guy in the film room during his redshirt year and the last guy out. That tells you all you need to know. Earl Thomas was a great player but he also maximized his ability through film work and, and really working on his craft. Hey, um, let's go to the next uh, question here. We got several questions coming in. Uh, this one I think is important because you're on the road today to Lafayette and, I, and I've got it. Jerry, better beef jerky, Robertson's or Bucky's? Man, I'm going to throw a curveball at this. I can't, I don't even know the company it is. There's a Love's Gas Stop. Has this beef jerky in a canister, a plastic canister, that if I'm making a real, the real roadie like Houston to Florida, stopping in Sarah Land, I'll buy the big $40 canister and it just sits in the seat next to me and I just take in all the sodium I can handle. <laughs> Loves. I don't know what it's called. I'll take a picture of it today and have it on the live stream the night with Rod Baber so he can laugh. <laughs> That's right. I do what I mentioned. Uh, we've got Rod Babers tonight. Uh, joining us on the live stream Tuesday nights. Uh, we have each one uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we also usually have the recruiting breakdown on Tuesdays, but because Jerry uh, is going over to um, Lafayette, we want to wait to have that until Wednesday. I've got uh, an interview coming up uh, later today with Kevin Eltai, uh, the chair of the Board of Regents of the University of Texas. Uh, we're excited to have him on, ask him about uh, the Longhorns and his long-term plan 
for the entire university system, as well as the importance of athletics within it. Hey, by the way, that so that's Robertson's. I didn't even know what it was called. I've only eaten it a thousand times. Robertson's beef jerky in the plastic canister at Love's, number one on my list. I'm not even sure there is a number two. That's the number one. <laughs> hey, I like the ones that they had at the, the Big 12 Media Days, Jerry. They had Trapper John's out there, and there it was a giveaway. So literally talking about loading up on sodium, I was – I was pretty heavy. Hey, uh, Rodolfo asked, spoken like a trucker. That is the uh, Rodolfo Esquivel. This is a good question, Jer. Um, how has Burt Auburn been in camp? Uh, Sark seems to be really happy with all three of his kickers right now. So let's spell those out. Auburn, of course, uh, the uh, returnee from last year, got the crazy hair that everybody knows about. Uh, he is the incumbent at field goal kicker, although we hear Will Stone is pushing him somewhat and will likely be the long field goal kicker kicker, if there is one uh jeff banks made a point to mention that will stone is starting to kick more balls into the end zone on kickoffs and then the obvious one that is a newcomer is the uh, transfer from stanford stanford a four-year starter uh, i believe for the cardinal ryan sanborn he has uh he is the definite starter at punter for the longhorns uh, so thanks and, and, for that. Guys, I call him Pert Auburn because I'm trying to help him get an NIL deal, right, with the hair. It's Pert Auburn. Okay. Pert. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, somebody brought up No Man's Land beef jerky. That is probably number two. That's a great call. I don't know who that was in the comments, but No Man's <laughs> Land's really good as well. <laughs> All right, this is from Thomas Anderson. At this point with camp mostly being wrapped up other than game prep, has y'all's record predictions changed one way or another? Ooh, good question. Um, no, I, I, I look, it's more, not the prediction. It's more the goal of what I think Texas can be, what they need to be. I've had 10 wins and I remain 10 wins, whether that's nine and three regular season, 10, 10 and three bowl game, whether that's 10 and two regular season. I just have 10 wins circled for this team. I think they're that talented. I think they have enough returning experience. I think the coaches have had enough time. Tory Becton in this program, we've seen the returns. Ten, it goes from five to eight to ten. You're really ascending as a program. If you hit ten wins, you're going to be ranked in the top ten. Uh, there's a lot of good things that come with ten win seasons in recruiting. I think it's simply, Thomas, what it's done for me is it's – Hey, we got, Bob, Bob, we got some breaking news after you're done. Okay. It's just reinforced my uh, – my feeling of 10 wins. And now I'm anxious to hear what this uh, this breaking news is. Jerry? 2026, number one quarterback in the country, Juju Julian Lewis committed to USC. Over Georgia? Over Georgia. Now he's a 2026. We'll see what happens. But early big domino falls in quarterback recruiting in 2026. Sark and Lincoln Riley are not going to have problems finding quarterbacks, Jerry. Let, let's just be clear. Uh, and so that's that's a big big hit for Lincoln Riley out west. I do, I would not want uh, to see what uh, based on how he cooks brisket. By the way, I don't think I'd want to know what he makes for beef jerky. Uh, that would uh, yeah, I think he makes it by default. <laughs> it comes out of the. <laughs> So true. That is some. That was the roughest looking brisket I think. Somebody's I've ever asking if Julian Luce is moving to twenty twenty five. That's been 
the chatter, and that would make sense why you go to USC with Dylan Rayola going to Georgia as a 2024. That would make sense if you're trying to uh, – and from an NIL perspective, why would you stay as a 2026 if you're Julian Lewis? It makes no sense. Go to 25, dude. <laughs> when yours did it. That's right. I mean, for the same reason, you can't, uh, you know. All right, from King Me here, Jerry, this is for you and me both. Freshman or sophomore, you're most excited Great to see play Great this year. I think it's DJ Campbell right now. And it's because the – look, and I think Cole Hudson may play in the NFL one day. I think Hayden Connor is a very good football player. DJ Campbell in the run game perspective has a chance to be different. There just aren't that many athletes that are 6'3 and a change or whatever he is, 6'3, even 335, 340 pounds that are that athletic and have that type of Casey Stuttered mentality when they hit you. That can be a true difference maker in the run game. And I think Neto can bring some of that as well. Um, I think that's very important, as I've said, because last year Texas had a running back that you didn't have to block for. He could get seven or eight, ten yards. He could make three guys miss and go get it. This year, you need to create some lanes. Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, I think they're draft picks, but they're still different runners. They're more traditional runners. You have to create some lanes for these guys. And I think DJ Campbell in the run game has a real possibility of doing that. All right. Uh, my, my pick is going to be a little bit different. And it's, it. I think the freshman for me is Anthony Hill. Yeah. So I, I just feel like Texas has needed a special kind of disruptor in the front seven for how long, Jerry? Three years since Osai left, in yeah. my opinion. Now, Jalen Ford is becoming that, but he's still got to play middle linebacker. So he can't be that guy. Uh, and DeMarvian Overshone was injured and didn't really take to the position until late. I, Anthony Hill has a chance. So I'm I'm most excited about him as a freshman. Sophomore, you know, 24 hours ago, Jerry, I may have said DJ Campbell. But after Steve yeah. Sarkeesian went on his Ethan oh, Burke range. You're going, on with, you're going with the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Dry with me. <laughs> I mean, because that – he didn't talk about him – like, oh, Ethan Burke, yeah, he's a starter. He's a good guy. He talked about him in, in terms of how he fits and what he means. Um, and so I I took notice of that. So I'm yeah. and I've seen DJ more because I, I, I really tried to watch him closely in camp. You know what I mean? When when we got that opportunity. Uh so uh I went with I'll go with uh, Ethan Burke for me, guys. All right, by the way, um David Williams, I know he liked the DJ Campbell pick. Uh, UT boy, yes, I'm very excited to watch Jonte Cook's world play uh, against Rice. I think he's going to make a couple of big plays in that game. All right, uh, got to cut time for a couple more questions before uh, Jerry's got to get going to Lafayette uh, for a little uh, uh, Dominic McKinley, Melvin Hills duo. Uh, going to be checking in on them or, later today, and he'll have news up on Inside Texas as well. Uh, this from Lou Namakazi. Uh, have we gotten better at identifying defenders in our zone scheme? Last year, it felt like the line struggled at times with who was staying with the D-line and who was moving up to second level. 
I guess identifying run zone scheme run defense. Your thought on that, Jerry? Um, or actually the offensive line. Is, yeah, is yeah. You know, I'm not sure I can really speak to that yet. I mean, I I think they've improved. Um, they're I, older. I they're they're a year older for sure. They're a year older. I think they've really worked on combo blocks, right? I think they've really done a lot of things uh, in, in the fall camp in that regard. Though that's one of those I really need to see in the game, though, Bobby. I don't know if you have a different opinion than me, but th- th- that's a question I think is going to be better answered when it's actually live football come September. <clears throat> got it. All right, I got time for one more question today. Uh, let's go with PJ Irwin here. Bobby, you once talked about having war daddies to be an elite program. Still believe that. Yeah. No we doubt. have a lot of bodies. I trust to man our wagon. But how many certified war daddies are we fielding in our starting 22? That's kind of what I talked with Rod about right. yesterday. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jerry, on that? Um, so are we talking just interior guys as war daddies? Are we talking no, about- we're talking about across – we're talking about guys that bring it, period. Yeah. Uh, so Kelvin Banks is one. Uh, JT Sanders is two. Um, Jalen Catalan's three. God, I love that call. I think Jalen Ford's four. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd put wide receivers. That's a hard one for me to classify as that. Oh, I unless think- they're A.J. Brown or somebody. Right. right. It's so yeah. Calvin Johnson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the 6'5", 230. Roy Williams would have been that for Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I those I think Byron Murphy may qualify in that regard. Even though I'm, you know, got how I feel about Alfred Collins, I want to see it. I'm not calling him that until he plays five games in a row where he looks like it. Uh, but I think Byron Murphy may develop into one of those guys. Bobby, who did you and Rod say? I Rod was extremely high on Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy. Okay. As the two top guys, so that would put that would really put uh, Banks in that simple category uh, above all others. And I think you know we're looking at a top ten pick most likely, depending on other tackles available in his year and how he turns out size wise, etc. Um, you know, I would only, the only one I would add to that list that you mentioned. I love the call of Jalen Catalan. The one that I might mention based on what we're hearing behind the scenes is Byron Murphy. Yeah. So the four of Catalan, Sanders, Banks, and Ford add Byron Murphy to that. Uh, and I think those are your five where you're just like, okay, let's let's go to war with these five. And I and I will say this: Baron Sorrell is on the verge of that in some ways, in that he is a and this is why I like so much what Steve Sarkeesian said about Ethan Burke is Baron Sorrell is a, he's a dog. Yeah. Like he ain't, he's going to get the most out of what he can get the most out of. He is a player that you want to uh, uh, emulate if you're a young player, because he's going to get the most out of what he offers. All right, right, Jerry, before we get going today, uh, you have anything else you want to you want to mention before uh, we we call it? No, no. Again, if we didn't get to your questions, we're gonna have a live stream tonight. Myself, Bobby, Rod, Babers will be here tonight. Seven uh, to seven to eight uh, tonight. We'll run a little over past eight p.m. But if we can't get to your questions, we have so many people, so many new people are coming into these chats. We'll get to your questions. Just keep firing them off. Uh, David Williams, sorry, I missed yours three months ago, but we'll get to your questions. Uh, 
Again, five-star off uh, shooting guard Trey Johnson making his official visit uh, Sunday through Tuesday. That's really big for Rodney Terry and staff. That's a Texas-Baylor battle for one of the top five players in the country. I'm headed on the road for a little recruiting here in the next couple of days to see kids. Uh, so we'll be talking about that tonight. And again, Inside Texas, great content. Uh, Joe Cook, Eric Nolene, uh, Justin Wells, Ian Boyd, all the guys. Uh, head on over there to Inside Texas. Great message board. The discussion gets better every day over there. We've had we had a couple of threads over 150,000 views here, 100,000 views recently. Uh, so you guys uh, will love having you on. I love waking up every morning, seeing where everybody's from. That kind of gets me going in the morning. So thank you guys for that. That's really cool. I want to add a couple things uh, to to mention. I mentioned the. Uh, uh, recruiting breakdown that's usually on Tuesdays will be on Wednesdays. Right. One of the th reasons that that will be the case is because you and Rod Babers, Jerry, uh, did something oh. a little special. And yeah. I, uh, you guys broke down last night. I, I got a chance to view it. Matt's already uh, created it. Uh, you broke down the four defensive backs in this recruiting class that Texas is still after. Yeah. Really good stuff. I want people to be able to see that today. Uh, the, the recruiting breakdown, then uh, the normal one with Justin Wells and Jerry will be on Wednesday. I've also got Kevin Eltife, chair of the Board of Regents of the University of Texas, interviewing him later today as well. All right. For Jerry Hamilton uh, and Matt Hutchison, our producer, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been Coffee and Football. We'll see Blake Monroe tomorrow. He had uh, His kid had a double ear infection this morning. We'll, he'll be back with us tomorrow.